All right, good morning, good evening, good night. It is the Nifty Q Show. We are bringing you the founders, creators, influencers, just badass people across the space. But I do have Kieran Warwick, guys, here from Alluvium. Uh, super excited to have you on the channel, man. Guys, I got to tell you, like I was talking with Kieran right before the episode. He was feeling down. He was feeling sick. But he is giving it a go anyways, and that says a lot uh, about the project, a lot about you, man. So I appreciate you giving it a go uh, for today's episode. No worries, man. Thanks for having me on again. Glad to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm not, not, so I've been dealing with this thing that just keeps on popping up every now and again, and it's, it's I'll get it under control, but, uh, but yeah, it's still excited to be here. Got to, got to keep talking about it. Yeah. you. I feel like you've done an episode every day for like the last five days. So I appreciate you, you rounding it out with the Nifty Q show. It's been like multiple. There's, there's a bunch that are coming out in like, I don't know. I seem to go on these like AMA tears and and then there's conferences and all that kind of stuff but i guess it just comes with the the show yeah man i feel that i feel that a lot so you know we're gonna have a great conversation i feel like alluvium episodes just just hit different i've been talking about alluvium for a long time on the network we got a lot of fans uh a lot of your community members are hopping in the chat as well love that these can be live uh you can check it out on audio afterwards guys as well uh, so we're going to talk about everything they've got going on. If you don't know anything about Alluvium, they're building an open-world RPG adventure game built on Ethereum. They're also building an auto-battler chess game, which we're going to get into. Land sales, token, all of the good stuff, man. So uh, I guess without you know jumping the gun here, I want to ask my first question. When is the SNX flipping happening between ILV and SNX? <laughs> uh, I think, well, I want it, first say I want it to happen on our, on our own terms. It's, I know the SNX price hasn't been doing too well in, in the past six months, but uh, I, think, I think you're going to see that. I wanted it to be before the end of the year, but I think it'll be sometime around uh, Feb, March of, uh, of next year. So you're, you're making the call here on stream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to put it down. I would say by latest March, I, I really don't see, once we've launched and people see what we've actually built here and, and how in-depth this game actually is, I, I'm not too worried about uh, synthetics. Oof, that, those are fighting words, man. I'm going to clip this and send it to Kane. But uh, this, is, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, let's recap the, the growth of Alluvium, right? I had you on the channel, like I believe, three, four months ago, uh, kind of a full quarter. Uh, but you guys released the trailer I, I'm getting my dates all mixed up, but like maybe a year ago uh, and like all the hype was just like so quick, so fast. You guys had a lot of people just salivating at the game to be. And now you've had this whole year uh, to kind of build and to grow out your team. What has been the growth like uh, just in that time period for Alluvium and where you sit today? It honestly has been outrageous, right? Like uh, we were talking about it, Grant, Aaron and myself, we were talking about like how quickly we got to a billion dollar valuation. And from an external point, it's probably one of the fastest times a gaming studio has ever hit a billion dollar valuation, if not the fastest. Because you got to remember a lot of the games that are out now, they had a three year building cycle or a two year building cycle or whatever. We're literally like, not many people know this, but we've only really been going hardcore building for like 12 months now, a little bit longer than that. And, uh, and so, you know, to, to grow to the size that we have and 
probably more importantly, the team size that we have. Like we've got 175 people now. And I feel like every AMA that I go on, even if it's like backed up the next day, the next day, the next day, I'm saying like a, a new number. And that's literally because in our general chat, it's like, welcome, Steve, welcome, Peter, <laughs> welcome, Wendy, welcome. And it's just like, fuck, we almost got to like <laughs> truncate these, these welcome messages now and start saying as a group, welcome these 15 new people. How, how long is because- the GM chat? How long is, do you guys say GM, GM, GM all the way down? No, 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 no. But like when a new person comes on, we welcome them to the team. Obviously, we're, we're, that's the other crazy thing is like 170 people. I reckon I've met 150 of them, maybe. So that's crazy, right? Like the, you think about an organization of our size, you know, we're, we're across the board, our social uh, our social accounts uh, are, you know, getting to extremely large sizes. We've just hit the top 10,000 uh, websites in the world. Like we're not, a, you know, we've got Google reaching out to us and stuff like that saying like, hey, you're, you're going off the charts across the board here. We need to help you. Like, why haven't you spoken to us? And it's like, we've just started like mm. it's only been 12 months like a little bit over like when, when the idea was first thought about we're talking 15 months like that's it so everything is outrageous everything is crazy and it's just a wild ride does, man does it get overwhelming and how do you deal with that that overwhelmingness feel if you do get it well i mean i th- i think it does i th- the craziest part is like I've, I've been doing this for a long long time and so in, t- in terms of like startup nature of like just work stupid hours, run your body down. But I think the added stress of this touching so many people worldwide and like I'm the type of person that feels not obligated, but somewhat like if someone invests in me, I, I want to give them the best outcome back. And in past situations might have been 20, 30 investors in a business that, that I'm running. When you're talking 30, 40,000 people out there that have invested in this, some people, you know, millions of dollars, it's hard to, to live with that burden, you know, when you want to, to make sure that, that you can give them a return. And I always, you know, I'm always focused on what that potential, if, if anyone is in the red who's, who's purchased our token. And so, times like this where there's a bit of a market downturn and we were up around 1900 and i haven't even looked today but i think we'll be somewhere around 1300 that delta there is what i'm trying to make up like i want everyone to be in the green i want us hitting ath's every single day and so it's hard to to sort of cope with that but at the same time you know you just got to do it it is what it is you know, when you guys first launched, uh, Warwick obviously like jumped off the screen. You you hadn't made too much of a name for yourself in the space, as, at least as much uh, as Kane had with synthetics. But already immediately, I kind of like once I heard you for the first time, and you you had again the the name of being at Warwick and seeing how well synthetics did. I mean, you're making a name for yourself now. And honestly, I would invest more just because you 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 guys are just getting after it. Like teams are what make projects yeah. in crypto. And what you just said. Mm-hmm is exactly what i want to hear the fact that you're and and take some breaks too take some breaks for yourself but you guys are absolutely just getting after it for your investors for your users gamers 
all the above. I mean, big, big, big shout out to, to Aaron. As, like, as I said, I've been doing this a long time. He took a little bit of a different route in, in, in the sense of, you know, he hasn't had this level of pressure of, uh, you know, he's run businesses before, but not to this extent as well. And that guy is just a rock. He's not, uh, he's getting to a point where I'm like, shit, he's, and he's going to go to Norway and have a bit of a break over the next uh the next couple of weeks coming up but uh yeah he's just unwavered and it's been super impressive to see amazing so for those people that are in the chat right now who like i said at the beginning i don't know where you are or where you've been for the last 12 months but you don't know what alluvium is could you give them the elevator pitch for what you guys are building there and then we can kind of go into what you guys have been developing uh over the last i would say 12 months but more recent uh here in the last quarter yeah, for sure. So so what we're trying to build is the first AAA game on the blockchain. We're completely decentralized. We're governed by the community. We uh, the, the actual title is a mixture. I, I would say it's very, very similar to Pokemon, but instead of the battle mechanics being a, a, a turn-based RPG, we've utilized the auto battler genre which you can check out if you go and play something like team fight tactics or um you can play dota's version and there's a few others that that are out there but it's essentially what we're trying to do is is build one of the best looking games that has really really deep backstory a lot of lore and you know, we're we're trying to make the the characters invoke that that psychology of collecting. That's what we're trying to do, and and um, yeah, that's I guess that is in a nutshell what Alluvium is. Awesome. And so the roadmap updates that you guys have hit over the past quarter, uh, I know I love the app, the tra- the new trailer that you guys got launched. I love the seeing the land updates uh, where you can kind of it almost looks like a StarCraft uh, vibe here where you're able to like farm resources, mm. uh, SILV, of course, ILV token like you guys have been getting after it when it comes to the updates. Uh, kind of lay those out for me what you guys have been able to do in the last quarter. And then, you know, in the next quarter, Q1 2022, what are we looking for? Sure. So we decided we would we wanted to tap into. We saw a lot of projects inside the metaverse start launching land projects, and they were launched. Uh, they were launching these these land projects without any sort of use case. And so we wanted to come out and show that you know we a that we had a really big team that was capable of producing. Uh, what we would like to say, it's a, it, I mean, we originally were calling it a mini game. It's probably progressed into a little bit more, but we, we basically wanted to, to demonstrate that we could launch land, we could do a land sale, and then you would actually have utility for that land when, uh, when the game comes out. And so essentially Alluvium Zero is interconnected with Alluvium. The way that it works is all of the in-game functions in inside Alluvium, things like curing of shards, that's required. Sh- like shards are required to, to go out and capture the, the monsters in our world. It costs a, a small fee to, to be able to cure those. That fee is, is essentially fuel. Now, there's three types of fuels that are used uh, across the, the Alluvium universe. 
And the way that it works is you're essentially, if you're a landowner, you're building this sort of command and conquer style. It's, it's, it's an idle clicker. I'm not going to go out and say that it's a crazy complex game because it's not. Mm-hmm. It has pretty cool basic but cool graphics. And essentially, you're, you're building up your different sites and factories and whatever to to mine the the resources from the land and then which which we're calling fuel and then essentially we've created this balancer pool that sits in the middle and on one side you have the people from alluvium that are paying eth for these fuels in order to continue to travel and make skins and all these kind of things And then on the other side, you've got the landowners who are trying to extract as much fuel as possible because they want to sell it to the people who play Alluvium. And so you have this two-sided marketplace where it might go up, it might go down, depending on the demand of each fuel type. If you're a landowner and you get somewhat screwed and the fuel type that you have abundance of is actually not that popular, there's little things like a converter that you can do a bunch of actions and you know wait a bunch of time and then you can build this converter that will allow you to start converting your not so optimal fuel for the the more expensive fuel you can then sell that into the balancer pool and then eventually over time it's it's meant to to balance itself out on both sides yeah i want to get into some details here and we do have some comments coming through about that specific uh land sale details and things like this avagachi kind of laid out the map uh that they were doing their land sale for and then had the resources kind of laid out saying if you build right next to this resource or or you own a, a piece of land right next to this resource that is the resource you'll be able to farm is is that going to be available prior to me knowing uh, or going to the sale, like how will I know what resources are going to be on my land? You want so we've we've specified what is is going to be on there, like as in the the number of sites that of of uh, element sites and the number of fuel sites, if it has a landmark or not, and and that's we we basically drafted a an IIP which hasn't been finalized yet. We're just you know, deliberating on the pricing that these lands come out and, and stuff like that. But I'm fairly certain that everyone's okay with with the way that we've we've handled the sale in which we're saying, if you buy this tier, you're going to get this many sites and you're going to either get a landmark or not get a landmark. And then that is going to, you know, what type of, of site you get is obviously random. And so that's where we want to keep it a little bit fun. And we don't want people to have advantages like if you get in first, you can see exactly where there's going to be better land than others. It's there's a randomness to it that allows us to keep it fair, which is essentially what we're trying to do across the board with this sale in terms of it being a Dutch auction. We don't want people to FOMO win. We don't want it to end up being like a gas war and all that Mm. kind of stuff. So. So yeah, no to answer your question, but but um, 
you will know roughly what you are buying. Gotcha. Okay. I want to get a little bit more into how the land actually plays into the open world mechanism, but I got three lightning questions here uh, that I want to go through mm -hmm. from the community. Uh, David asks, can Kieran comment about the land price and potential price change? Uh, just, I guess, the details on you know what the price will be at auction. I guess you mentioned it's a Dutch auction. What price would that start at? Yeah, so they, they all the, the different tiers start at different prices. Um, we are thinking that we need to probably double the, the price. But again, we don't want to make a call because people can purchase. Uh, we've, we've allowed people, and I'm going to be very clear here because I did an AMA the other day where apparently I wasn't, but uh, you can purchase land using SILB. Right. And we have a situation right now where based on the pricing, if everyone, based on the initial pricing that we put out there, if everyone purchased using the amount of circulating SILB that was out there at the literally the highest price possible, then we would end up with something like 95 or 97%. And, and this is now, there's still obviously another, you know, period of time prior where people are accumulating more SRB, it was going to get to the stage where if everyone used it, there would be no ETH and it would just be SRB, right? It. Which again, I'm totally okay with that because it means that people are going to be using ETH in game when it launches and the circulating supply is going to be diminished massively. But at the same time, I think that we need to capture a happy medium here and have some amount of, of ETH that is distributed and demonstrating our tokenomics and our, you know, revenue distribution system. And then another part of it is we do want to reduce the, the, the circulating supply of SRB and we do want to, you know, give people it, not, it's not so much a, an advantage, it's it's saying because you're an early adopter, because you have this SILV, we're going to give you the opportunity to to use that, essentially. Yeah, you almost have to play that balance, right? Like you want to reward early adopters, but I could see the other side of it of people saying, well, that's just going to be a reward for only those people. I want to get involved too. So uh, a couple more. Yeah. A couple more I've got. Uh, Alluvium Land when? Do we know the exact date by chance? I do. Um, <laughs> it's it's something that I don't really. So you don't have to say it. Give, give us a, give us a, a a relative. It's gonna it's gonna be it's there's it's gonna, the the trouble is it's gonna be ready very very early or, or probably even around Christmas time. We've got to get the timing right, and I'm going back and forth with marketing. Previously the way that we did things was essentially just build and build and build and build. And as soon as it's ready, just get it out there, right? Like just do it. Now we've got a, a beast of a marketing team and they're kind of like, no, we can't work with that. We need, <laughs> we need some time. And so that's why I don't want to say an exact date, but I'm thinking it's going to be, I'm, I'm very, very, very certain that it's going to be around the middle of Jan. Okay. I'm saying it. That's that's what we're going. Yeah, lock it in. Lock it in. I will. I'm gonna clip this one too. Uh, right after that that Kane uh, clip. Uh, <laughs> David Henderson asks, 
What is, and we'll keep this short because I do want to get to like more details about the game. Uh, David Henderson says, mm-hmm. what is the timeline for the land sale after the first sale? Is there like going to be multiple rounds of land sales or this is only one? Yeah, so I, in my head, and again, we, there needs to be a lot more thought that goes into this, but I see us distributing that land over the next two to three years. I think that they're going to be... I think they're going to be events that get larger and larger and larger in terms of the revenue generation. And so we want land sale revenue almost to be a constant thing that is being distributed out to people who are staked in the, in the protocol. And I think that would be a really cool thing. So, so, okay, I got it. Uh, the last question I'll, I'll, I guess, ask is it's related to this land sale. I remember when you came on uh, the first time I had you on the channel, Aaron was a little bit uh, cautious about this land uh, situation because he wants him to focus on the game. I think that's exact the conversation we we're having. Has he eased up a little bit? Is he okay with this with this land situation happening now? Well, I mean, it's I, I remember I spoke to you when I just kind of just wanted to cash in on the land sale. Like I want to cash in on the avatar. Sale. And when I say cash in, <laughs> I'm being, I'm being facetious. Yeah. But what I really mean is, you know, we, there was an opportunity for us to sell land and it was a good opportunity. And so, yes, I was pushing it and whatever. But then once he says, yes, he's like, all right, now let's turn it into a game. And then not just a game, let's go a mini game. And then the other day, he's like, Kieran, I wouldn't even call this a mini game. Like, this is this. Is, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, now I'm the one sitting here. Like, let's get back onto the main game. And so he has himself to blame if he if he thinks that. That's all I can say. <laughs> you guys should, like, film a documentary in your office. This actually sounds really fun. Uh, all right. Anything related to Alluvium Zero in the land sale that we didn't touch on right there? We have a couple more things I obviously want to hit uh, as it's related to the game, of course. But... Anything as it's related to Alluvium Zero or the land sale specifically? I think you just got pretty much everything out of me. Unfortunately, it's not going to be on Layer 2. We were hoping it, it it could be. It's something that we're hoping in the future land sales will be on Layer 2. But um, yeah, it's it will definitely be on Layer 1. All right, we're going to move on to a couple more features, guys. Uh, you did talk about avatars there for a second. It was a, a little moment, but I want to blow that moment up here and talk about it. Uh, I saw a couple teasers that you had of alluvials that were essentially PFPs, and you're potentially mm-hmm. doing this avatar sale uh, and release. How does this fit into everything? And, and just give me the lowdown. So uh, alluvitars we've been building in the background. It's actually, if you follow... If you, if you follow on in the Discord, then you will know that I've been talking about these things for a, like probably six months now. It's been something that Roger, our lead concept artist, he's, he's been doing it, but he hasn't been focusing on it. And I've been like, man, these avatars, they're going to be big. And then all of the base C stuff, like everything, all of these PFP uh, projects started just blowing up and so we decided we want to do it but we don't want to do it in the sense of we, we're trying to bring 100 million players to to alluvium right and so the most of the avatar projects you have out there there's only 10,000, and that's how you keep them rare and that's amazing and we would be able to sell these things for ridiculous amounts of money on the basis of so many people being in the alluvium ecosystem but it doesn't fit with the ethos of, of 
fairness, which we always look towards. And I want every single person who plays the game to have an Iluvatar, right? To have their own avatar that they can use it across all of the different games that, that we have in the universe. Keep in mind, I keep saying universe, not metaverse, because our metaverse doesn't exist. We are living inside the metaverse for every other project that's that's watching. But we need to to not make it's not so much a, a, a cash grab or whatever. It's simply so people can represent themselves. And so it that you we we've taken all 150 Iluvatars in the first minting set, and each set will last about three months. And you'll there's 15, roughly 15 in each set. And the starting ones that we've used are like, I've shown, I think there's like 10 that I've shown in, in the, the Twitter leak that I, I did. We've picked really popular ones that we think are going to be, you know, the most sought after in the first Genesis set. And instead of saying that there's only 10,000, there's an unlimited amount that you can mint. And the higher that there's different tiers. So you can, you can, the, the more you spend, the, the higher the chance of you getting like a, a tier five Aluvatar, which is obviously going to be rarer, mm -hmm. probably more valuable. But the key thing is once the set two, once set two comes out, very similar to how the game works, right? Alluvium. Once set two comes out, you'll never be able to mint that Aluvatar again, right? And so, that's what makes our avatars rare. So the idea is, you know, when we have, we might have a hundred thousand of these things that get minted, but then when we have 10 million players and they want to come in and, and pick up one of these Genesis set ones, they can't get them. They have to mint a set two unless you buy it off a player on the Aluvidex, right? And so the other thing that makes them cool and rare is we put accessory slots on on the base layer and so the idea is you can go and buy a box which will give you accessories which you know they might be a tattoo it might be a mohawk it might be some glasses it might be a cigar a joint whatever i i don't know whatever whatever you mint you know and we're constantly going to going to be updating these accessories and so the quality that you see is it's taken us a long, long time to be able to do this, but the quality is, is a lot higher than what you would typically see in your standard avatar crypto project. Gotcha. And is the idea to have this be like represented on users' profiles and then the additional like utility of owning it, is that just, is it a collectible series essentially that you're just kind of having? Uh, as you know, yeah, it, yeah. So it's just a collectible. It's your way. I wanted a way for people to represent themselves in our universe, and then eventually in the greater metaverse. So, if someone else creates a project where they're like, okay, it's it, we're using AR, and you can come in and literally be your avatar. I want people walking around using their Aluvatar rather than their crypto pump. You know, I was just having a conversation, uh, shout out to Cryptolander, one of the guys in our community, uh, OG member, of course, uh, talking about how having that profile picture makes you a brand ambassador, essentially, of, of the whatever brand you're, you're repping. So having those brand ambassadors mm -hmm. for Alluvium is the play. 
Yeah, it, it, it even comes like projects do it with emojis. They put a set of emojis and then you watch people. They want to show off. I'm one of those members. Like you look at the Spartans, you look at the Link Marines. It's happened everywhere. I just want Twitter to, to it's, it's obviously it's meant to be utilized for in-game, uh-huh. but really it's a way to flex on Twitter to say like, hey, I've got this super rare Alubitar. Because the thing is as well, we've allowed, yes, you can purchase these things and you can keep on minting and minting. If you're super, super, if you're a whale, you can continue to mint until you are happy with what you get. But one thing that you can't change is you can actually win things within the game. So if you unlock a major achievement, you might unlock yourself an accessory that is only accessible in game, right? And so it doesn't matter how much money you have unless you're a player. And what I think is going to happen is I reckon someone's going to get like the lowest tier Aluvatar you can and they're going to not put any accessories apart from like a single like holographic crown that they've won from winning like our first tournament or whatever, you know? And then someone's like, why would you do that? Put that on a ramfire. And they're like, nah, I want it on the shittiest thing that I can possibly get the lowest level character just to troll you guys. And it'll become a meme. And, and then I that think, will be rare. Yeah, <laughs> that will be rare then because it's the only one. It's like, why would you put the rarest item on the most common Aluvita, like you just you're a monster how could you yeah one quick question and then i'm I'm gonna move on here justin flornoy says what will mint price be for these aluvatars well i have no idea because the the pricing that i put out originally was somewhat accepted by the council and then when it went to when the draft got opened up to the community the community was up in arms saying how could they be at this price and so I, I don't know, we're, we're really going back and forth there, but we've got some time. Like I, I would say Aluvatars, you're not going to see them until probably, you know, somewhere around Feb. Okay. Awesome, man. Have you had any uh, run-ins with, you mentioned Link Marines earlier, like how are they doing? They, are they still as vicious as always? Or I haven't been in the DeFi scene for no, a we, minute. No, we're, we go to war together with the Link Marines. Oh, we're, uh, we're one yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love that man all right i'm gonna touch on the auto battler man because that honestly that was the one that drew me in first big tft player me and my buddies honestly are playing more tft now to try to get ready mm-hmm. for alluvium like we like riot game should be thanking you because we're playing it and spending more time in tft uh just to get ready for your auto battler uh what is the update there uh as far as the game is concerned when can we uh, expect to start getting into alluvium man well, so that's that's what the alpha is is going to be, or it's either it's either going to be. I gotta sit down with Aaron, but it's either going to be the survival mode, which is very similar to the auto battler, or it's going to be uh, the auto battler. But it's it as you saw in the uh, in the trailer, those were real battles, and like the three minutes of footage that we put out after, again, they're real battles, and. 100% movement was a little bit buggy the the actual 
uh, the attacks and from from the alluvials looked a little bit clunky, a little bit buggy, and so everything we're we're, we're trying to polish it up. I, I to be honest, I actually can't believe that Aaron wants to get out the alpha in December. He's really really gutting for it, and that means that I, I don't get as involved in, in the everyday development. Obviously, I see the, the new versions every time they, they come out each week. But that makes me super confident that he's actually going to allow people to see what he's building. And so, you know, I, I think we're in a pretty good place with, with where the auto battler is at. And then, you know, that obviously means that the survival mode will be quickly before that. Uh, I've, around that time where i'm a little bit concerned is the overworld that's where we we need to do a little bit of work so let's break that down really quick because even myself i need a bit of a kind of tldr on the difference between the survival survival mode and the auto battler as well as then we can hop into open world because that's honestly another whole aspect mm -hmm. that just gets my mind just blown so uh what is that difference between the auto battler and the survival mode that's coming first Sure. So the survival mode is essentially think of it like a training grounds. And the way that it works is you're basically like, have you ever played like tower defense? Yes. Okay. So you, you have constant waves coming at you, right? And they, they get either bigger or stronger or, or different, more powerful creatures keep on coming out. In Alluvium, which what we're trying to do is actually teach people how to compile a, a, a good character set. And so you need to, a lot of it is combating whatever your, whatever your opponent is putting down as well, right? When you're, when you're inside these battles. And so you are coming up against, it might be the, the first round might be two squizzes and a, and a thylacine or something like that. And then it will become two squizzes, a ramfire, and a tiktalic. And then it'll come, five of them will come at you. Six of them will come at you. And as you defeat each round, each wave, you complete the round until you get to a point where it's like, there's just a mountain of alluvials coming at you. They've all yeah. synergized that, so <laughs> you, just, you just can't win. And we're connecting that to play to earn as well. So you'll actually earn some in-game yield if you do that. In terms of like the sort of storyline behind like what is that, it is it is meant to be like a, a an AI system where it essentially malfunctions, it locks the person in and until you die, like you're dead no matter what, right? Like those waves will go mm -hmm. up to like 8 trillion and eventually you're not going to be skillful enough to win. So we've touched on four That's or five different features already within Alluvium and we haven't even gotten to the open world concept, which when we were talking the first time, that's where one of the funniest and most viral moments that will happen in Alluvium will happen there when someone runs into some like $100,000 worth NFT and they throw essentially mm. what is a Pokeball for those that are <laughs> here and they, it, it like runs away or it, it misses. And then you see that on stream. Like that's going to happen in open world and I can't wait. So 100%. <laughs> hope it's not me. Yeah, I joke around. Yeah, <laughs> same with me. I mean, I, I joke around. It's probably going to be some poor scholar out there where it's just a ridiculous 
life-changing moment and he's just like i cannot believe i've come across that or she and and it's just like what the fuck but hopefully not and hopefully it's kane that comes up (laughs) against that he's only he's only gone into the world with the tier one shard but uh yeah so essentially it's an open world it we've we've gone for pretty crazy biomes right so the the idea is that the environment changes almost like it's almost polar opposites across the board in in all seven regions you use obelisks to travel to the different regions and you as you go through we're probably only going to have three available in the the open beta when we first launch but the idea is to go up to those seven different regions you've got a jetpack to help you get around. You don't start with it. You've got to do a whole bunch of things in the overworld, like uh, mine for resources. And then you go and basically build this, this jetpack. You then have things like mag boots, which also help you get around the, the different crazy spaces. If you've seen some of the concepts that we put out, you know, that you're talking like there's uh, like lightning and then you've got massive uh water events that that are happening then you've got you know like there's there's flooding then there's fire and there's like magma there's just all sorts of crazy shit that's going on and essentially it's your job to then find these alluvials and then when you find them you basically go into i'm not going to go into we actually haven't finalized 100 how you enter the encounter but essentially you see the alluvial or you see something that represents the alluvial you then uh enter the encounter and then the auto battler starts so it's interesting that the pvp component of it is an auto battler where it would be like you and someone else of the same level go against each other and you fight it out in an auto battler sense it's the exact same in the overworld except you're playing npcs rather than humans and so yeah it's uh it's pretty exciting there's lots of different stuff that that we can expand on in the overworld and i'm i think like the collector in me i'd like that you're saying you play tft and whatever and like i i do as well and i like it but i think i just can't wait to get into that world and just start capturing the alluvials like it's for me it's about the collecting yeah i love that man i I got a couple community questions i want to get to but i did want to ask like what is your inspiration for all of those things that you mentioned like you got super uh i guess excited when you were talking about the environment and when oftentimes Mm. when i'm talking to founders they're talking about their you know experiences in runescape or world of warcraft or everquest do you take any inspiration from any certain games or types that lead to to alluvium well, I like the, so I've been a huge MOBA player, but like things, games as well, like Zelda, Ocarina of Time, like I was so addicted to that when I was a kid. And so like, firstly, I'm attracted to super bright color palettes. Like when when, when games have avatar-esque feel and, and look, I just, I like it, right? And for some reason, it, it heightens my senses and I and I feel like I'm more part of the world. When it's dark, I'm just I'm just not a fan of like 
your call of duties and stuff where it's super dark. I don't know. I, I, I make the excuse that I have bad eyes and I should wear glasses. And I'm playing those games and I'm like, I couldn't even see you. Like, it's, it's bullshit. Like, but in the beautiful Pokemon worlds, it's very nice and lovely. And, and, you know, I think a lot of, but, but probably the biggest thing there with the going back to the MOBAs is just the sheer size of it. I need it to not be boring. I like, I want it to be like, oh God, I've got to go over to, a place that's gonna take me literally 10 minutes to get there and did i forget where it is and now i've got to ask someone like i want it to be a challenge in the overworld and vast and so i guess that that's where my inspiration comes from but i don't have to like these days certainly like my in my input in like yep, the game the design game. <laughs> is, is very it's very small but like at the same time i was like just give me Pokemon and I'll be happy. And so since then, I've been like, build whatever you want, Aaron. It's, Isn't it nice to be the, the lead there? Just say, give me Pokemon and see what gets spit out. Dude, I was in your Discord trying to get the episode shared earlier in the day because the time zones, yeah. obviously, this is not when I do Nifty Q show usually, guys. It's usually earlier, but Kieran's over in Australia. I'm looking at your your Discord like roles and it's just team members for like years as oh, I scroll down. Up. And, uh, you know, I got called out by some community members because they thought I was a scammer. So I had a good time in the Alluvium Discord uh, today. It was, it was fun. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's like the thing is it's you can't lie about that stuff. Like yeah. it's right there. And when I hear about games that like if I'm looking right now who's online and there's actually – barely any people online which is concerning but uh it, you did mention it's it's not ideal time for everyone else around the world but we always have our team members like there's always like 40 50 team members that are online at any given time they're legitimately it like we put everyone up on the website when i hear like because obviously I, I watch a lot of other games founders and and you know how they interview and what they talk about and that kind of stuff the thing that pisses me off is when founders say like oh yeah yeah you know we're we're at like 250 people now and it's like you no you're not like you could not be physically unless you're just hiring talent for the sake of hiring it and and like they're not even talented then sure i'll give it to you but you wouldn't be doing that you're not to, like it's a situation of like if someone can hire faster than what we have my god i'll give you a fucking medal seriously yeah. because it is been one of the hardest things for us to do has been to put together like we're trying to hire people from triple a studios we're selling them on the dream of these magical tokens that live on the internet. Like that's probably gotten these easier. artists. It has now. I mean, yeah, like, but when you're n nobody and mm -hmm. you know, our first 50 hires were excruciatingly hard. Yeah, it, it is. It, I guess the point that you're making there is like, no one can really do that unless you're like really a top 200, 300, 400 project even I'm, I'm i'm reaching there like it's just jarring to go into his discord and see that many team members because there's not that many crypto projects of that size that i talk with on a daily basis yeah my point there is if 
you were able to do it. You would shout it from the rooftops. You would post it on every single board you possibly could. You'd put it on your website. You'd show it on your Discord. But when they're not matching up, it makes me go, well, how transparent are you actually being? Like, it, because it's not a situation of, oh, you know, like I forgot the team. It's so excruciatingly hard to create a team like this mm-hmm. that you want to show it off. Right. It's a selling point. And so it just it rubs me the wrong way sometimes when I see that. I'm like, you don't need to exaggerate your team size. Like, yeah, like just don't do that. It's not how you build a community. But anyway, that's just a and the community. I mean, who, what investors are really like caring about that? Oh, my God. Like, oh, you have 200. You know, like that's not my first sell point. No. You know, honestly. Mm. So. So I yeah, guess no, it's quality over quantity. Absolutely. You guys completely skipped the whole phase too. I, we're getting so re- like sidetracked, but you, I feel like you skipped the startup phase. You guys were a startup for like two seconds <laughs> and then turned into yeah, like, I, this massive thing. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, no, that's, that's why I said at the start, like I've never experienced anything like this before. It's Okay. It's crazy. Okay. The, I want to get one thing out of you really quick, uh, and then we'll kind of hop out. Uh, but as far as that open world, uh, overworld, I think you, you called it, uh, what is the timeline there uh, for that? I know that's a bigger project you mentioned, and it, rightfully so, it's an open world. What is the kind of the timeline there for its release? Probably, we're, I don't want to say. I don't want to say yet. We don't, we don't have a time. We don't have an exact timeline on that yet. 20, so let's... 2020 Kieran would have told me something there would have given me a date I probably I probably would have but not 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 this time no look at look at Kieran I'm already getting I'm already getting on here I'm like what are we an hour in come on I got you, man. Be, be nice to me. <laughs> I will. All right. And he, he did mention that we're almost an hour, and I think we're like 50, 45 minutes in. So we're going to let him get out of here uh, relatively shortly. Uh, so I got a one question here. Deck22 is asking, uh, NFTs we received after the IDO, will they have utility in the game? I think when, I, I have those, by the way. I have the Ramfire uh, ones, those utility from Balancer. Uh, or uh, I'm sorry, those uh, NFTs from Balancer. I think you guys mentioned that there wouldn't mm. be any utility when you were selling them, but I, it's a, it is a question from the community there. No, so there, there isn't any utility. I'll tell you what the utility is. If you hold them, you're going to be a very wealthy person. So just keep holding them because they are going to be your... I've said this a billion times, but these they are going to be your Pokemon promo cards that... They were given out. They weren't really meant to be a thing. They were just marketing and promoting Pokemon at the very, very early stages. Have weird shit on them. They were minted in places that weren't the official Alluvium collection. All this type of stuff is what has happened with these these Alluvium NFTs. And there is no utility for them. But I guarantee they're going to become the most rare NFTs that we have. And purely for that reason that will give them the utility of money 
<laughs> the best utility. Uh, Deca, Deca, hopefully uh, that is a good utility that you cherish and hold close to your heart. Uh, I'm definitely excited to be a holder of those as well and, and a supporter early on. All right, we are going to hop out of all of the features. We're going to talk like more broad uh, NFT talk before we let you go, Karen. Uh, so you mentioned scholars like really briefly when we were kind of discussing the gameplay there. Hopefully a scholar isn't one of those people actually. Uh, but like, what is your thoughts on play to earn and the whole scholar system that's been made popular by Axie Infinity? And the, I guess the general discussion is like, it could be bad to have a game be taken over by scholars. Certainly like there's a lot of like negatives that come with that. What, what's your mindset when it comes to play to earn in these games? Firstly, we're not trying to, we're, we're, we're trying to cater to both, right? We're, we're not trying to rule anyone out. We don't mind with scholars are a good thing, right? Like they're giving a scholarship to someone and giving them the ability to change their life through gaming, I think has to be a good thing, right? Now, the way that guilds are going about it right now there is a huge scalability issue that is happening right there's overspill uh there's not systems in place right now that allow people to lend their assets people guilds whatever you want to call them to lend their assets to people who don't have enough capital to buy those assets to then as soon as they've made their money in the game pay those assets back right that 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 it doesn't exist and the guilds are doing it in a very manual way and i think i'm just i'm chatting very very closely with uh with the new guild that's kind of in stealth mode kind of out and we're going to be they're, they're working really closely with us in terms of being a predominantly desktop related guild I'm working with them to try and build a system that allows us to scale. So we don't hit this 5,000 scholar mark, 10,000 scholar mark, where there's so much demand for assets that they either don't have them or don't know how to distribute them properly. And so I want to build a system where essentially you've got providers of the assets on one side and you've got You've, you've got uh, consumers of those assets on the other side, and then there's some sort of an automated system that works out the, the payments in between. That's Once that system's out, that's when I think I'll be excited, not just because I'm, I'm going to be somewhat a part of it and whatever, but just because I think that makes it fair for scholars and they're not begging for scholarships right now. It's simply a method of, Hey, if you don't have it, this is your way to access play to earn. And it's more a system, not so much a servitude. A, yeah, like yeah, like you're 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 applying to this one guy and it's at his discretion he says yes or no, or you're a good enough gamer. It's just like it needs to be systematized, is is what I think. Yeah. How far have you guys made it in just a really quick hit, uh, just personally, honestly, how far have you guys made it down that rabbit hole of like trying to figure that solution out? Yeah, I'm working closely with the, the guild at the moment, okay. and I think we'll probably launch in the next couple of months, but building the systems out will be, you know, probably a, a three to six months journey. Gotcha. So we've only just started thinking about what the architecture would actually look like. I only say that because I, I mentioned Avogadro earlier, love that project, love what they're doing. They 
came out with that uh, automated system uh, to, to set that up as well. And I thought that was along the ethos of what you're talking about, which is remove the manual process because it's a bitch and it just doesn't need to be. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Absolutely. Man. Dude, this is a fantastic interview, of course. I mean, our last one was was really uh, well-received as well. This one, I'm, I'm certain, will be. Uh, you absolutely got after it uh, as well, even though you were uh, a little under the weather. So uh, anything related to Alluvia we didn't hit on, man, that you want to kind of touch on before I let you go here? Um, no, I think we got to uh, I think we got to everything. Everything that I wanted to share with you. He is fading. <laughs> He's fading fast, people. Uh, uh, okay, so I, I, I sort of, I sort of am. I'm, I'm starting to sweat. I'm like, I'm not feeling good. It's, it's not great. But anyway, my man, super, I'll get appreci- through it. super appreciative that you came on today. Uh, I'm gonna wave a goodbye to our, our guests and our followers and our viewers here. Uh, but just stay on real quick. Thanks, after guys. This. And uh, yeah, no guys. worries. I will. Fantastic. Uh, Another Nifty Q show, guys. Catch me every Wednesday, Thursday. I'm doing these interviews with founders. Uh, Not going to be as good as having Kieran on, of course, but I can only get him on like once a quarter. So it is what it is. (laughs) Peace.